Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today, I will be the guest (laughs) and the title of our podcast is 2021 Year in Review. But before we get started, I want to go over some resilience resources and reminders. If you would like to recommend someone to be a guest on our podcast, if you would like to download our five-step crisis strategy that we use to navigate any crisis for any business and any company, And if you would like to request me, your host, Vanessa Matthews, as a speaker for a program you have coming up in 2022, you can find all three of those links in our show notes for today's episode. In the news for Disaster Recovery Journal, if you would like to take a look at upcoming webinars, upcoming events, and dive into the journal, you can find all of those links also in the show notes for today's episode. And lastly, if you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us to find more listeners, and it also helps to keep us informed that we're helping to add value. So let's dive right into our podcast today. So, so much has happened over the past year of 2021. And I could spend the time to regurgitate every headline that has come out over the past year, but I won't do that. Instead, what I'll do is, as we wrap up this, this year is I'll take us through a few things that we learned, some, some events, some experiences, and then towards the latter half of our episode today, I'd like to walk you through a couple of, of things that I personally have had to learn and, and overcome through my leadership this year, and then we'll end on some tips and strategies that we've used as a company to help us set strategic goals um, for our organization. So just in the first quarter of 2021, and many thanks to CNN.com for your list of the current events that happened from a global perspective, from a U.S. perspective, and in sports all throughout the year of 2021, and that link is also in the show notes for you. Reverend Warnock, the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, became the first African-American center senator in the state of Georgia in the first quarter of this, this year. We had winter storms and freezing uh, temperatures in Texas that really disrupted people and their homes as well as businesses. And the UAE actually had their first mission to Mars known as the Hope Probe. In our second quarter of 2021, Major League Baseball announced that this season's All-Star Game and the draft would not be held in Atlanta due to voter suppression and Georgia passing the voting laws that they passed this year. Colonial Pipeline was also paralyzed in the second quarter of this year due to a ransomware attack that shut down their operations. And then the FDA approved the emergency use authorization for for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for people between the ages of 12 to 15 years old. In our third quarter of 2021, the U.S. ended its presence in Afghanistan. 
New York gained its first female governor, replacing Governor Cuomo, who resigned after multiple scandals as a result of potential sexual abuse and misconduct in the workplace. There was a controversial Texas law that banned abortions at six weeks of age that also happened in the third quarter of this year. And the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a report called the State of the Science, and they called the report a code red for humanity, noting that the global heating is affecting every region on earth and we're getting to a place where it's becoming irreversible. And lastly, in the fourth quarter of 2021, we're still in the middle of that, but Lush, a cosmetics company in the United Kingdom, decided to leave social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and Snapchat, and decided to pull out of those social media platforms across 48 countries. And their CEO uh, talked about their willingness to cut, I think about $13 million that they're going to lose from those platforms. And then lastly, um, because I grew up in the city of Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves actually won the World Series in the first, the fourth quarter of 2021, defeating the Houston Astros seven to zero in game six. So a lot has happened over the course of 2021. Some good, some bad, some challenging, some frustrating. Um, some things like the thing that would happen on our capital that I won't go back into that really challenged where we are as a nation and as a country. But what I thought I'd do is I share with you guys some things that I've actually learned about me and my leadership. And hopefully you can take some of these lessons learned and apply them to you in your own personal and professional life. So as I prepared for today's podcast, I asked my team, what should I talk about? If you see the title 2021 year in review, what do you expect to hear? What do you want to hear? And they gave a lot of ideas, but where they left me at were the two things that we feel like we really learned internally as a company. And for us, it was really about understanding, number one, that our core values as a business are the non-negotiables in our company. What that means is we hire, we reward, and we fire people, employees, partners, and clients based upon our values. And we stick and we hold true to that. We have six core values with that solace. And this year, we had a team member who was not displaying the core values, wasn't showing up, wasn't contributing to the team, wasn't making it an intentional impact in the community, didn't treat the janitor like you treat the CEO, et cetera, et cetera. And I made a poor decision. How many of you guys can admit in 2021 as a leader that you've made some poor decisions? I made a poor decision and I kept this person on our team. And in my mind, I said, well, I need them. I need the skill set. We'll just have to experience this terrible personality until we find someone else. And what I didn't think about was how this person was affecting other people on the team. And when you work in an emerging business like Asphalus, when you have a person who doesn't align to your core values, it's like a cancer and it spreads quickly and it impacts culture, it impacts performance, it impacts engagement. And my poor decision actually ended up costing our company money. It impacted our team dynamics and it also affected one of our clients. And so I realized one day that in, in order for me to walk out the core values that I ask this team every day to display, I had to also walk out those core values. And me walking it out was one of our core values, operating truth and integrity. And how do you operate in truth and show integrity? Well, I had to apologize. 
Ooh. <laughs> There's sometimes I do some things at home and my husband's like, I'm still waiting on my apology. And it's hard for me to get myself to a place where I can apologize. So I'll pause and ask over the past 90 days, how many of you have had to apologize over the past 90 days? Should you have apologized for something that maybe you didn't want to, whether you snapped on somebody in the Wendy's drive-through or whether you did something wrong at work or whether you upset somebody at home, how many of you have taken the steps to apologize? It's humbling. So I apologized to our team and it didn't feel good and I was nervous about it. But let me tell you what happened that I was not expecting. The result of that apology, number one, the team accepted my apology. And one person on our team said, thank you very much for apologizing because every single day we do something wrong and we always have to apologize. It's really good for you as a leader, for me to hear you apologize. And, and more importantly, Vanessa, for you to acknowledge that you were wrong. And I was like, wow, thank you. <laughs> I didn't see it from their perspective. So they accepted my apology. But what it also happened is we gained commitment, buy-in, and more engagement from our team. I received a letter from one of my colleagues on our team, and for her, it really helped to seal the deal for why she's really at Espalis and why she's so passionate about being with this company. And for her, her comments were, it showed me that our core values are not just words that we put on a wall, but we live them, we breathe them, and we walk them. And for you to be able to humble yourself and to apologize for a decision that you made that affected everyone else, it showed me as a person on this team that if I do something wrong, I can come to you, we can talk about it, and we can move the conversation forward. So one lesson that we learned this year is your core values for you personally. You should personally have your own set of core values, but then as your company, you all should have core values. And in your department, you should have a set of values and they should be the non-negotiables that you operate by. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll waver and you'll fall for anything. The second thing that we learned this year was trust. One major milestone that Asphalus had in 2021 is we turned seven, the year of completion. Seven years in business, we're still here. And guys, I got to be honest with you. Over the past six years, I've been accustomed to operating in a silo. My own ideas, my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own perspective. And some people call that groupthink, which is a risk. <laughs> you don't want to operate in groupthink and only in yourself. And so when we started to bring people in the company, what I really had to get used to this year was other people's opinions, solicited or unsolicited. <laughs> people telling me what they thought. People telling me, hey, why do we do this? This is terrible. Or Vanessa, you suck at this. This is not where you belong. And so this year, what I really had to learn was create the space for the people on this team to have a voice, and more importantly, for me to respect my team enough to listen to their voice. We have a lot of customers in multiple industries, and what I hear from some of them is our leadership doesn't accept my counsel. They don't accept my guidance. I give them risks. I talk to them about strategies and recommendations, but they don't take what I say, and I don't see it happening. And so it's affecting their culture, it's affecting their engagement. So these are real issues. And I'm talking general counsels, operating officers, 
key employees that you guys really, really value. What I thought would be helpful is sharing some things with you guys about how we were able to get to a place where trust is something that we could build on inside of our company. And so as a leader, um, what my team shared with me this year is that they felt like you grew in the space of listening and trusting your, your team. There's one particular vertical that I've been operating in in our company for the past seven years, because when you're a founder and a business owner or an entrepreneur, especially when you're a team of one, you do everything until you don't. Either you have enough money to pay for it, <laughs> whether it's hiring talent or hiring a vendor, or you get to a space where you go out of doing that thing. And so there's one vertical that I've been operating in. And my team told me this year, you are disrupting this side of the company. And actually your presence doesn't help, it hinders the process. And it was really hard feedback for me to hear, but they were right. And as I thought about it, I was like, wow, I'm inserting myself in a space where I don't belong. And when you operate as a founder and as an entrepreneur for seven years, you build a different set of skill sets. And so the things I came into this industry with back in 2010, 2008, those skill sets have changed. And my ability to execute and some of the tactical things that I used to do very, very well, it's not my strength anymore. And so my team had to help make me aware of some of those obstacles that I am now facing. And so I have a question for you guys. Who do you trust on your team right now? The person who you trust, you just thought about them. Who are the people that you don't trust? Write those names down. And then make a second column because you know I am spreadsheet, 12 point New Roman spot, <laughs> bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And your second column, write down why you trust the people that you trust. In the next column, write down why you don't trust the people that you don't trust. And then the next column after that, write down what you have to change so you can trust your people more. What are some things about you? What's that quirky thing about you, the thing about your attitude, think about your personality that you know, I need to get better at this. Write that down. Because like our pastor says in our marriage, Vanessa, you cannot change your husband, but you can change you. So what are the things about you that you need to be honest with yourself about before you walk into 2022 that you can change? And then what's your plan? How can you better leverage the people who you trust? And what's your plan to work with the people who you don't trust? And maybe they're people that you shouldn't trust and they need to be off your team. If you got A players, B players, or C players, C players got to go. But if there are people who are A and B players that you don't trust, you got to look inside yourself. Are you a micromanager? Are you that person? It's okay. <laughs> Just don't stay there. <laughs> so think about what trust looks like for you and whether it's personally or professionally. So what we'll end on today is setting goals. And what was interesting about 2021 is we hit a lot of our goals out of the park as an organization. But we also had some big goals, especially some financial goals that we just didn't hit. And we had to take a step back and say, hey, sometimes revenue is not the only driver for growth, right? It's your leadership, it's your infrastructure, it's your systems, it's your culture, it's all the other things about the business 
that really help an organization to grow and to evolve. So one book that we're all reading, I talk about this a lot, is called Traction by Gino Wickman. I highly, highly encourage you to buy this book and to read this book if you love business. And what Traction has helped us to do is to establish a 10-year goal, a three-year goal, and a one-year plan. And our 10-year target is what we call our big, hairy, audacious goal. I believe it was coined by Jim Collins. And your big, hairy, audacious goal allows you as the leader to set the vision for your company and for your team. What I've learned as a business owner is they don't see what you're saying. They don't see what you're saying. And a lot of visions go unrealized and they're paralyzed because you have leaders who are saying something, but your people can't see it and they can't make a decision if they want to stick around to see the vision fulfilled. Without a vision, the people perish. So 10-year target, big, hairy, audacious goal. Your goal should be specific. It should be measurable, meaning you need to quantify it with a number. There should be no gray areas, no room for confusion in your vision. It should create passion. If you've got 25 people, five people or two people on your team, your vision has to be bigger than you. How do you create passion for other people to want to follow your vision? It should be exciting and it should add energy for everyone. It should provide ongoing value for the people who you serve. And your long-term 10-year vision should be so daring that it seems impossible. So we set a big 10-year vision. Second thing we did is we set our three-year target. So let's start with 10 years. Now let's work back seven more years. Where do we see ourselves in three years? What's the revenue? What's the profitability? What are the things that we're measuring? And what does it look like? What does it feel like? Close your eyes so you can see it before you see it. Does it feel like everyone's coming in on time? Everyone's engaged. We're at the table with executive leadership. We've got articles published in Disaster Recovery Journal and Harvard Business Review. We've got candidates from all over the, the world. We're handling new risks. We, we've identified new, new things. We have new systems. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Get that thought on paper. If you can't get it out of your head, your people can't help you to execute it. Step three for what we do on our team is we set a one-year plan. And the same thing, what's the pipeline? What's the revenue? What are the measurables that we're going to measure? But more importantly, what we do for our one-year plan is we set quarterly rocks. Everybody on our team is responsible for one number. In addition to that one number, they're responsible for a quarterly rock. And we typically do no more than three to four rocks per quarter. And every rock is owned by somebody except Vanessa. Because <laughs> I got 85,000 other things that I have to do. And so when you set your rocks, set a rock and assign accountability. And your rock should be completed every quarter. Take it a step further. What we also learned, especially being an emerging company like Asphalus, setting goals and striving for 100% completion is unrealistic. You guys are working from home. There's a lot going on. You might be managing a family. You might be managing children and grandchildren and then an elderly person. So just think about how many different skill sets that requires for one person. Or you could be a single mom doing all of that or a single dad. 
it's unrealistic to think that 100% of what I said is actually going to happen. So what we do at Asphalus, 80% is, is good enough and we keep it moving. It keeps us from the spirit of perfection, which is impossible, but then it also helps us to ensure that we're, we're not putting unnecessary stress on ourselves. And so we set our quarterly rocks with an 80% goal of completion. And this helps us to manage things for our team and our clients. The last thing I'll share is I want to say thank you to you, all of our subscribers. It has been since 2018 when we came out with this podcast. And on behalf of the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors and our teams, the people who are behind the scenes, producing podcasts, finding speakers, bringing in a listener survey. We're now setting up a sponsorship package so you guys can find different ways to engage with our podcast. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So we appreciate you for tuning in, for downloading, for asking the questions, for being great guests, and more importantly, for downloading and for subscribing each and every episode. So I will end on this note. We would love for you to please take our listener survey that's in our show notes. And until next time, please have a happy and a safe new year. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.